0: Hello, everyone. Uh, This is another episode of the Unisoft Question, a uh, YouTube uh, show and podcast where I interview lawyers. I really prefer interviewing litigators even at this point. And uh, we talk about this profession and the work that we all do. Today, I have a fantastic guest and I'm really honored and pleased to have her here with us today. Uh, Maureen Welton, a managing partner at Stevenson Welton McDonald and Swan LLP here in Toronto. Hello, Maureen. Thank
1: you for coming here. You're welcome and it's lovely to be here. Um, I do have a correction though. The firm is now Stevenson Welton, LLP. McDonald oh, okay. is no longer a part of our firm.
0: That's, that's great. I was just going off your LinkedIn profile. I guess, you know LinkedIn has a vulnerability. We gotta, go, we gotta dig deeper. <laughs> Thank you for correcting that. Uh, you went to uh, St. Francis Xavier University for your undergraduate degree, correct?
1: Yes, I did. And so that's in S- Nova Scotia? Yes, St. effects is in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. It's a small Nova school.
0: Scotia. Yes. Are you, are you originally from Nova Scotia?
1: No, I grew up in Ottawa. Um, but my parents were both from the Maritimes. They were both from New Brunswick. And so when it came time to choose an undergraduate university, I was drawn to the Maritimes. And... St. Effects is essentially the school that they would agree to. So that's where I landed.
0: Were you seeking some independence from your appearance?
1: I was. I wanted to, I wanted to go away. I wanted to, I, I wanted to uh, uh live in residence, I wanted a small campus, I I wanted a school where where there would be good academic opportunities, but that it would also uh, be collegial and um, I, I would get to know people it would be small it would I was I was looking for a for, for a particular atmosphere and St. Effects filled that atmosphere.
0: So you were very happy with uh, that university I assume? Yes. What was your major?
1: I majored in political science and minored in psychology.
0: Is there anything in childhood that predicts uh, the child's career as a lawyer in the future, in your opinion?
1: No, Um, I I think a wide, I think law draws a wide variety of people, people with very different abilities and different interests. Um, I have given some thought to whether There's anything in childhood that would predict someone becoming a litigator Um, because I I do think going into law is, is, um, you you could decide to go into law with so many different interests and uh, you could be drawn to intellectual property law uh, or corporate law uh, or human rights law, there's so many different types of law that you could be drawn to for different reasons. Um, but uh, litigators, uh, I think it's a little bit different. I, I, I do wonder whether litigators, you're not likely to be drawn to litigation if you don't enjoy speaking in public.
0: Uh-huh. So, uh huh. so what Describe your ideal litigator. We all aspire to ideals, right? When you practice sports or when you practice an art or when you um, practice a profession, you want to know about the best representatives of your field or even ideal representations uh, of uh, members of your profession. What is an ideal litigator in your mind?
1: Ah, interesting question. Interesting question. Litigation. I think litigation is is divided into parts. It, um, it one part of litigation is uh, uh, what you would learn in law school. One part of litigation is being able to take a fact scenario. Uh, understand what the issues are, uh, research the issues and develop an understanding of of what the case is about and how the law applies to the case. Um, And of course, uh, uh, being able to research and and, uh, uh, understand from the cases, uh, or the statutes, or whatever materials you're researching, uh, how they apply to the facts and developing the issues—all of that is is a skill, and being good at that is important to being a good litigator. The second part of litigation is is the actual litigating skills, it and. Um, uh, I worry that those skills are undervalued where uh, uh, we aren't, where, where litigators are not able to practice them as much as they used to. It, uh, um, but those skills uh, being pure advocacy, being able to be persuasive, to an adjudicator, uh, in whatever form that adjudicator is in, being able to be persuasive to, to, uh, 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 to bring them to how you see the events, how you see the facts, how you see the law applying to those facts, uh, is a skill. Uh, Cross examining is a skill. Examining even examinations for discovery is a skill, and of course, uh, it, trial skills. It. Um, uh, uh, I know in a trial, both I- I- examination and chief or cross-examination, um, uh, I argue those are almost different skills than examining out of court. It uh, uh, Trial skills or hearing skills, if you're a uh, 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 if you're more used to arbitrations, or you're more used to tribunals, but hearing skills are skills in and of themselves. It, um, uh, but all of these being good at those skills is a big part of being a good litigator. It, uh, and I have watching people through the years, there's no question that some people, um, uh, there are excellent litigators, who are particularly good uh, at some of those things? Who are uh, it, there are certainly litigators that are particularly good cross examiners, or litigators that are particularly good at arguing motions, um, and of course there are litigators who are particularly good at trials. But those are the, those skills are a big part of being a good litigator. Um, Uh, and of course it, it negotiations and, um, uh, being able to resolve the case, uh, in a way that your client is happy with is also, uh, uh, a part of being a good litigator. Um, uh, and even, even, uh, dealing with opposing counsel in, in the day to day, it, uh, uh, I've learned it. It is, in my view, it is part of being a good litigator uh, to be able to move the file in a in in a way where you're working uh, with opposing counsel. It um, uh, you may see things very differently, and you're arguing uh, very a very different perspective of the case. But uh, there is an element of working with people that is important. Um, and the last thing I'd say, I know I'm going on, but uh, dealing with clients is critical. For uh, uh, um, whether your clients are institutional and and you're dealing uh, with uh, uh, a rep of of the institution in some way, um, so uh, uh, it isn't it isn't their money, so to speak, that is on the line, but uh, uh, it is it is their career. It, it the case will still be important to the person that you're dealing with, um, or whether you're dealing with individual clients, where where uh, uh, where the case is very personal to them. It, 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 dealing with clients is um, uh, uh, matters to to uh, uh, the quality of the litigator and the last, this time it is the last thing I'll say is, uh, um, that the best litigators that, that, uh, that I've ever seen, um, there's something else. It isn't, it isn't just the sum of the parts. It isn't just, well, they're good at these eight things and that makes them a good litigator. There is, there is something else where, uh, uh, where they take all of this that I've, that I've just described, um, uh, develop it in, in their own style and what results is an extraordinary litigator. And, uh, um, I, and watching those people is to me has always been a, a big pleasure.
0: Wow, lots of food for thought. There are two trends in modern civil litigation, at least in Ontario. The first trend is to decide things on the basis of a written record, right? So, uh, summary judgment motions uh, and uh, the increase in their role in civil proceedings. And uh, the second trend. Is more recent and it has to do with COVID-19. Uh, for example, in Toronto, as far as I remember, some uh, motions will now be resolved completely in writing without a hearing, uh, in uh, w- virtual or in person. Uh, for example, uh, some uh, short motions before judges, if I remember correctly, are subject to written review and may be decided as a result of that review. So there is a clear path to a, a decision in writing without submissions from counsel. So these two trends uh, exist. Uh, also, everybody, I guess, is familiar with this old principle that we all hear in law school that uh, about 80% of, uh, of the success um, uh, in appeals, for example, or, or in motions, Uh, depends on written submissions and uh, written advocacy, and about 20% or 25% depends on oral advocacy. So how do you square these trends and uh, ideas with this notion that uh, lawyers need hearing skills, lawyers need to be able to persuade um, with, with personal submissions, with some kind of personal appeal, personal interaction with a judge?
1: And so I'd say two things. One is uh, uh, that was an omission on my part. I, uh, of course uh, um, I was thinking of litigators in a courtroom when I was answering your question, but yes, uh, the ability to write and to write well and write persuasively is also a key part of being a good litigator. So uh, big omission on my part, it is a key part of being a good litigator. I, I think it is, um, uh, uh, no matter the form that you're going to, uh, writing is going to be a big part of it. And I'd even say, and I've said to uh, more junior lawyers at my firm, even the ability to to the ability to write can even impact your relationship with opposing counsel. It um, I, I, being able to put tone and tenor into your communications that is appropriate to what you're saying uh, matters, and being able to write well matters. Um, so I I uh, I I. I I, I certainly I didn't intend to suggest that writing wasn't key and important to litigators. That said, uh, you're right that uh, uh, that the pandemic has brought the technology issue, um, which uh, uh, advocates uh, in Ontario. Um, uh, and frankly, across the country. But I, I, I've been personally involved in some of the, the, uh, the attempts by advocates in Ontario uh, to to move technology to the forefront of, uh, of the attorney general's mind. And the pandemic has has made that happen at lightning speed. Um, I, 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 I think that 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 is somewhat separate from uh, the modern trend to uh, have matters decided in writing. Um, I I think that the the push for that trend had started before the pandemic, um, particularly on the part of the Court of Appeal. The pandemic has just had it move forward at more at at at, uh, at a speed with which we are not uh, uh, used to. Um, I, it, it, do I think that on a go forward basis that that means um, that uh, 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 an advocate's ability to to uh, 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 to persuade the adjudicator. In a uh, oral hearing of of their case, I don't. I, um, I I think that in in we're going to we're we're going to see some struggles in in the course in the course of the next year to two years about what gets heard orally. Uh, what gets heard in person, what gets heard over Zoom, and what gets heard in writing. And I, uh, I, I think that uh, many organizations, I'm, I'm uh, uh, my involvement right now is with the Advocate Society, and I know the Advocate Society is working on it, and other organizations are working on it, are working on Uh, uh, positions with respect to uh, what what should happen on a go forward basis. But that's gonna be a struggle. That's gonna be a struggle for advocates over the course of the next year to two years. uh, um, I I think we all agree. uh, And when I say we all, I'm including the courts, judges, the government, we all agree on, on the obvious ones. We all enjoy that 9.30 commercial court appointments are, are now over Zoom. We all, the other case conferences that the things where you would take an hour to get to court in order to argue a, or to present on a five minute consent motion, uh, uh, only to have an hour and a half getting back so that it's three hours for something that's five minutes. And it's it is, it still to me feels remarkable to be able to sit in my office and actually deal with that in, in five minutes instead of uh, in two and a half hours. Um, we all agree on those. I, I think we even all agree um, uh, on on things like uh, pretrials um, uh, or other types of case conferences uh, or on simple motions. I, I think we all, but, but they're, uh, uh, there are many others where, uh, where I think, it, it, it landing on on uh, uh, landing in a place where we ought to land, um, in terms of uh, what uh, what has to be in person, what can be over Zoom, um, uh, what can be in writing, uh, where uh, do do oral submissions fall into things. Uh, I, I think we're, we're, we're going to be struggling with that for a little bit of time to come.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. I just want to uh, change gears for a short while here uh, and uh, return to your career path. So I know you're from Ottawa and after your undergraduate education—you were accepted into the uh, LLB program at the University of Toronto, correct? Yes. Right. So you came to Toronto then in early 90s for law school, and you—you uh, you never really lived in Toronto before, correct? That's right. Okay. So. I also came to Toronto years ago uh, as an outsider, and I'm curious to compare our notes. So what was it like for you to come to Toronto to go to school in 1992?
1: When I came to Toronto, I certainly had no intention of staying. I um, My intention was to go back to Ottawa and, uh, and practice law in Ottawa. Um, I, I did not I did not intend to stay, uh, but then you know, as they say, life happens. I um, I I liked Toronto. I the longer I've 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 lived here, the 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 more I like it. Um, my only complaint about Toronto is uh, is that it takes so long to get out of it. It uh, and the longer exactly. I live here, the longer it takes to get out of it. It. Uh, Um, But it's a great city. And I guess the single biggest reason that I stayed in Toronto is because I fell in love with a Torontonian, who's a true blue Torontonian, and she could not imagine living anywhere else on the planet.
0: You found a local. (laughs) (laughs) It's the key of uh, getting accepted somewhere. (laughs) I, I know that as an immigrant. So you um, stayed in Toronto, you articled, uh, did you article at Teplitsky-Colson?
1: No, I articled at a large firm. I mm. articled at a large firm and uh, I, and a, certainly a large firm was was uh, not for me. So I wanted to go to a litigation boutique firm and I landed at Teplitsky-Colson.
0: Oh, wow. And then you, um, did you found, did you co-found... You're a law firm, your current law firm?
1: No, I, I, at Toplitsky Colson, I worked for Bob Colson and for Colin Stevenson and uh, Colin, when Colin decided to start his own firm, he, uh, I went with him. He asked me to go with him and I went with him. And so the firm was originally uh, Stevenson's and eventually became Stevenson, Welton, McDonald, and Swan. Um, uh, But then uh, McDonald and Swan uh, uh, broke off and we became Stevenson, Welton. I see.
0: So you, uh, so Colin brought you over. Yeah. And uh, you, but you eventually became the managing partner.
1: I did. I, uh, I became, I became a partner after, uh, uh, not sure what after four or five years, and uh, um, and after about another five years, uh, Colin said to me, "Why don't why don't you take over management?" It uh, uh, Colin was not then and is not now terribly interested in management, um, so it 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 fairly quickly fell onto my shoulders.
0: I am uh, a sole practitioner. So I have my own law practice. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious. And again, I want to compare notes. <laughs> what is it like to be a managing partner at a firm of several lawyers? How many lawyers, by the way, do you have
1: at your firm right now? We have 11, 11 lawyers but, and law students.
0: Right, so what is it like? What, is, what are the responsibilities of the managing partner? How's the managing partner different from other partners?
1: Um, well, that's an interesting question. I, I, what I'm, it, it, the, the, I mean, the easiest way of describing it is that I'm responsible for the, the management of the firm. Um, I, I, what that means on a day-to-day basis, I would imagine is different firm to firm, but fairly early on when uh, when I started managing the firm, um, I had uh, drinks with Linda Rothstein, who at the time was managing Pallier Roland. And Linda Rothstein said to me that the best advice I can give you is uh, is overpay. For a very good office manager, and the advice uh, I think is excellent advice. It um, uh, so I I what I am largely responsible for is overseeing the operations as opposed to engaging in each of the operations. Um, I uh, but I I oversee the financial operations, the, the, the day-to-day of the law firm, um, and of course, uh, and I'm sure this is absolutely no different for you, the, the, the larger uh, strategic decisions. It, um, uh, where What type of firm do you want to be? What type of firm do you want to become? Um, how, how, where do you want to be in five years time? Where do you want to be in 10 years time? And, uh, what are the, what are the, the, the steps that you have to take to get there?
0: And I assume that you're also uh, responsible or that you oversee hiring decisions, right?
1: Yes. Which is a big, which falls within the, where do you want to be? Uh, but yes, it um, I oversee uh, hiring um, uh, of staff and, uh, I, and then, of course, there's, there's the uh, 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 articling program um, and uh, any other hiring decisions that have to be made.
0: What do you look for in lawyer candidates, um, whether junior or article stu- articling students or more senior? So uh, for example, I know that you have great lawyers. I know that you hire great lawyers. Uh, my friend Neil uh, works with you and I know he's a fantastic lawyer. Uh, so you must have a secret uh, of finding talent. And uh, I'm also interested, like I said, for the benefit of, uh, uh, law students who watch and listen to this or junior lawyers, w- what kind of profile are you looking for when you're hiring
1: a lawyer? So there, there's no, there's no cutter profile of, of a good litigator. It, uh, uh as we've just talked about good, good litigators are, uh, it, it will be a variety of, of personality types, um, uh, and, and, a, a a variety of characteristics. Um, the first thing that I personally really look for is: Do you want to litigate? It is is this it it, it, it it litigation is hard. It litigation is is hard. It's it's stressful, and and every single piece of it is hard. And becoming good at it is very hard it takes an awful lot of time and an awful lot of effort and uh and you know it's not american television you you you, you don't land in a courtroom and uh uh and suddenly you're able to make these commit it it's hard it's hard work and it's stressful and um uh and so it in my view from from what i've seen uh, i think that that uh uh, wanting to litigate is, is key and, and being, wanting it badly enough uh, uh, that, that you're prepared to commit to, to the work that's involved at mastering it is, uh, is key. Now, I will say that I do think people can want to be a litigator. And change their minds after a couple of years. And that's, that is, that is fair enough. I, I completely get that. But when I'm hiring, um, I'm looking for someone who uh, uh, that this is what they want to do. And uh, my firm is committed um, to giving its uh, junior lawyers um, genuine opportunities to become good at this because of course you don't become good at this without doing it you can't learn to cross-examine by by uh watching tapes of cross-examinations you can you can learn something about it but you're not going to become good at it you're not going to personally master it unless you do it and so we're we're committed to to giving our junior lawyers the opportunities. Um, to become good at this craft, and uh, I, and I I I want to hear from people. Um, this is what I want to do, and and I uh, uh, and I want the opportunities to uh, to 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 develop this expertise. It uh, so that's the first thing I look for and i know that was a long answer and i apologize i um i the second i, I
0: love long answer i love long answers you this, know it's like in discoveries you you want the witness to go on and on and, on and
1: on that's true i'm doing exactly what you do want the witness to do in discoveries the uh the second thing i look for is um i uh, is that i uh i i, I hope uh, that our firm, um, uh, uh, is, is a, a, uh, uh, a pleasant place to work. I, uh, I, I have said, uh, at various firm meetings, it is important to me, um, that people, uh, want to come to work here that uh that it that that uh uh that it's it's not a question as they're walking in the front door of dreading the day that that as they're walking in the front door that they're going somewhere that they want to be it uh um I, and so i'm i'm uh i i i'm i'm uh, i'm looking uh For people who who enjoy law and uh, and enjoy enjoy what it is that 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 we do, and uh, and then of course and then of course I'm looking for everything that you'd you'd expect that I would be looking for. Um, I'm 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 I'm, uh, uh, looking for for. For people who were involved and engaged in law school, and uh, I, I, and and I, I, it it uh, are involved in uh, their communities, uh, whoever those communities may be, and and uh, uh, everything that um, that you would expect.
0: Maureen, I really appreciate this uh, chance to speak with you. Uh, Like I said earlier, not everyone gets to hear from senior members of the bar. Most of us here in Ontario are really sole and uh, very small firm practitioners. And when I was starting out, uh, there was no interview show where I could go and without paying for CPD credits uh, uh, could hear uh, senior lawyer's experience. So I really appreciate that you shared your experience with our viewers and listeners today. I uh, learned something today. I hope uh, our viewers and listeners learned something too. Thank you so much. And uh, I wish you all the best in your
1: practice. Thank you. What's that? No, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity. And, uh, and it's good to hear from senior members of, of, of the Bar. I, I, uh, I agree with that, but I have to say I, um, I, I've had opportunities to to uh, I hear from more junior members of the Bar and that's also important and it's also exciting. There's a lot, the, the changes that are happening in the legal profession are good and are important and um, uh, and are overdue, and and it uh, it's exciting to see it. It's exciting. i It's exciting to see where we'll be in five years' time and in ten years' time on the big issues of diversity and inclusion and access to justice. And as I said, technology, uh, which I think greatly impacts access to justice, and it's an exciting time. And and see it it. it, it more senior members of the bar have a lot to say, but I think junior members of the bar uh, have have also have a lot to say, and it's and it's important and it's good. So thank you for this.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, I'm with you 100%. Thank you so much, Maureen.
1: Thank you.